Nora Rahimian is a creative force with a multifaceted career in the music industry. She has managed artists, produced festivals, spoken internationally, and is the founder of Culture Fix, a global network of cultural producers who use their platforms for social impact. For over 10 years, Nora's passion for social justice, intercultural understanding, and building relationships has sprouted a number of projects worldwide, giving her a global reach. Consistent in all of her projects, is a strong focus on empowering artists and using the arts and culture to challenge systems of oppression. Her social media platforms are full of information about conscious business building and creative entrepreneurship. Find out more or reach out for a one-on-one -on -one consultation via Instagram and Twitter at Nora Rahimian. Thank you, Nora, for uh, talking to me today and being my first interviewee of season two. Um, I'm happy to see you again. For sure. And uh, for the internet world out there, um, Nora and I met at the new school. And, um, you know, I'm just really glad we got to reconnect and do this today. Um, so let's just get right into it. Um, you know, you're uh, the founder or one of the founders of Culture Fix. Um, do you mind just giving everyone a brief overview of what it's about and how did it start? Yeah. So um, I had. About five years ago, I had moved back to the country from Liberia, where I was um, managing an artist and doing a bunch of like entertainment education work. And um, I happened to be on Twitter during um, an ideas chat. And I this woman was tweeting about like hip hop and global politics. And I was like, what? Like yeah. international hip hop politics? That's me. <laughs> so I sent her, like we started kind of tweeting back and forth and literally we had four tweets, a couple DMs and a phone call and realized that we both knew incredible people around the world who were doing incredible things. And those people didn't know each other. And so um, we were like, well, we should connect them and we should support them. And so that's how we started Culture Fix. Um, so it's myself and Natalie Crew. And um, September will be, five, will be six years, five or six years. Oh my God, I'm losing track. Um, <laughs> But basically what Culture Fix is, is it's a global network of creative people, um, cultural producers, um, art, artists, like very broadly defined, who use arts and culture and their platform for social change. And what we do is help them connect to each other. We amplify their work. Um, we consult on how they can do what they're doing better to reach wider audiences. And so really um, at the core of it is the idea that we have within our own networks everything we need to succeed and that we can't succeed without sacrificing any of our values or participating in oppressive systems. And so you would say that, you know, you grew from a need to connect individuals worldwide to, you know, challenge, you know, the social norms and issues that are surround, like you said, the music industry and, you know, just like I said, geopolitics and all the other nonsense that's going on in this world. What, you know, and you, you've been using mostly Twitter and Instagram? Um, we use everything, you know, wherever people are, that's kind of where we're at. So Twitter was a home base for a while. We're doing more on Instagram now, um, but also just kind of real life connecting with people. And um, we do, we sponsor events around the world. And um, so that that real life connection is important. And it's the idea that if, you know, your favorite artist can get you to pay $600 for a pair of shoes um, so that you can be associated with that swag or that like cool, um, yeah. 
your favorite artist can also change the way that you think about social justice issues or healthcare or whatever the issue might be. And so it's taking those kind of already existing marketing concepts and applying it to art and culture and social justice um, in a way that creates actual change and real impact. And how has it been, been to connect with like new individuals and new groups, you know, within the cosmos of the internet? It's my, my, I mean, I always say like in another life, I think I would have been a matchmaker. Um, <laughs> and so the connecting of people is, I don't know, it's like my favorite thing where I'm like, oh my God, you and you need to know each other and like go and create. Um, because I think that's part of, I think it's a very, you know, capitalism tells us to think only about ourselves and me, me, me. And so the idea of collaboration rather than competition is actually a challenge to some of these structures that try to divide and conquer us. And so when we say, actually, no, we're stronger when we work together, that in itself is an act of resistance. And so um, whether it's connecting people or, you know, whatever it is, I, it's always a really beautiful, I think it's a beautiful thing. It makes me personally happy, but it's also a really powerful thing to see people find success in their collaborations. And you would say that Culture Fix has like kind of grown and grown and grown over the years, like kind of like snowballed into this just larger and larger network. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, Culture Fix is very kind of amoebus, right? Like it is whatever the people decide it is. Um, and, you know, we don't have any formal membership structure. You, If you feel it, then you can claim it. Um, so I think people, I think people believe into what we do and how we're doing it. And so um, it's kind of, it continues to kind of grow and thrive. And we've had some quieter moments and we've had some like bigger growth moments. And so it's this nice kind of, it's a very natural like ebb and flow that it's been. That's great. And do you think that, you know, having this communication remotely has been enough to sustain, you know, strong relationships? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, we talk about this a lot, actually, like there's a it's really easy to fall into a false sense of intimacy with social media. You know, you consume yeah. people, you're like scrolling and you consume yeah. people's lives and you think that somehow you've connected with them, but you've never actually like had a conversation. And so one of the things that I think we're good at um, and that I personally I think I'm good at is um, taking a virtual connection and making it a personal one. So following up with DMs and texting and having those like side conversations and getting on a call. And, and I think one of the things that's changed since I first, I mean, when I first started working in Liberia, we were still like trying to do Zoom, you know, Skype and like call, you know, like I was still using calling cards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, and so now with the way people have more access to technology, more access to data, more access to different platforms, it's, it's, a lot, it's a lot easier. And I think if you put the effort into maintaining the relationship, it doesn't matter if it's virtual or like virtual is just as real as anything. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% I, I agree because I feel like, you know, we met whatever it was, 2010, you know, we've been able to, you know, casually stay in touch you know via instagram and you know we can still have a chat and same pe thing i've met people from other countries that i'm still in touch with and yet there's people i've connected with in person whether i worked with them or i met them through a friend of a friend and you know 
they drop like a hat, you know, because they they get, you know, people people sometimes can be flaky or people can kind of. <laughs> it's a shame, no, but uh, it is what it is. So it's, it's, I mean, it takes it takes work to like yeah pain and nurture relationships. Absolutely. Um, so tell me a little bit about your creative consultancy work that you've been doing over the last couple of years. Um, so I used to manage artists and then I decided that it, it wasn't the right thing for me. Um, I don't like micromanaging and like, um, but what I'm good at is thinking strategically and kind of big picture. Um, but also like teaching the details. So, um, I, what I do is I consult for artists and entrepreneurs and kind of small businesses, brands on how do you identify success for yourself and then helping them develop the strategy to achieve that success. And then not just what to do, but how to do it. So like learning the implementation tactics um, and being able to achieve that success without giving up their creative vision or their personal integrity. So building out creative businesses um, with a little bit of consciousness. And I work now with artists around the world and um, I, I love it. I love it. I'm also doing quite a bit of speaking and um, teaching webinars so that people, you know, for me, it's about let's put as much power and knowledge into the hands of artists so that the good work that they do can, can shine. I think it's really interesting you say that just when you think about over the last couple, like over the last year, I would say how, I don't know, people get blinded by fame or gotten blinded by fame for, for, for how many years, right? I mean, since the dawn of, since the dawn of time, but or the last couple of years and now I'm not to change it from music to like film, but like the whole like Harvey Weinstein thing, like people put their hands into somebody who, you know, could take advantage of you. And it's, it's scary that like now, you know, you'd go from, from that. And now it's like, Oh yeah, well I was getting taken advantage of under the impression that I was going to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. And you're saying, you know, no, you have the power to put yourself in positions of, you know, greatness where you could be creative, you know, whatever that space may be. Yeah. So, I mean, part, part of the reason why people like Harvey Weinstein have so much power is because we think of, and, and this exists in whatever industry. It's, it's, it's not just music. It's, 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 it's music, it's entertainment, it's academia, it's nonprofit world, is these very centralized systems of power. And what we're saying is if we decentralize those systems, we spread power, you know, the same way we talk about like wealth redistribution. Um, we're redistributing power more equitably so that no one person has all that control and no one person can manipulate and coerce. And we start to dilute it a little bit so that um, everyone can kind of access what they need to access and do what they need to do, um, which is like one tiny way of like battling rape culture. Yeah. And holding people accountable. And exactly. And also to the negotiation um, out of the webinars, but uh, so, so I'm segueing from because you're, you're doing this negotiation seminar, which is going to be really cool. And I'm sorry I'm missing it, but I will catch the next one. Um, but that that idea that you're giving people their, their power back and they're able to to have the right, not necessarily scripts, but I guess approaches towards, mm -hmm. yeah, like you're saying, like battling like these um you're saying that, you know, you, somebody tells you no, or tells you, or this is how it's going to be saying, 
no, this is how it's going to be for me because this is what's comfortable for me. Or this is what's going to get me to a place where that, that I, I can benefit because I'm going to benefit you, you're going to benefit me, not just you're just going to take advantage of me and right. pull right. me out of the... Well, thank you so much for hiring me. It's I'm providing you a service that you need and you're going to compensate me fairly. And so what we do with the negotiation webinars um, that I teach with Cynthia Pong is give people the skills, like specifically, like, what do you do in a negotiation? But also we talk a lot about the confidence and some of the framework, the mind, uh, mind sh um, mindset shifting. Yes. Um, because especially for women and for people of color, it's not something that, you know, we're not taught, right? What, where in yeah. school did you learn negotiation? But it comes um, up all the time. <laughs> right. Um, but it comes up all the time. And so that's part of that too, is how do you, um, how do you use negotiation as an advocacy tool? Um, not just for yourself, but then for others who will come and negotiate after you. Yeah, because we think of negotiation, you think of, like, I feel like what, not growing up, but I think for the longest time, I thought negotiation is like, oh, you're negotiating the, you know, the, the, the peace talks or something. <laughs> it's like, no, you're negotiating, like, for yourself. You're negotiating, like I said, a salary or, or whatever, perks or you know, like I said, just getting you to a place that's comfortable for you and, and what's going to benefit you. So I think that's really important. Um, and what was I going to say? So what, <laughs> what, what got you interested in getting to where you are today? Was there a pivotal moment or a person or a series of events? It's honestly like it's, kind of happened by accident. Um, I think at the, at the core of it is this sense of justice has been really, really like strong in me. I was born in Iran during the Iran-Iraq war. There were drums bopping the night I was born. Um, so very early on, you know, we were refugees um, sent into diaspora. And so very early on, I understood the world wasn't designed for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that and then the sense of belonging because I was sent into diaspora so early, um, those two things, kind of justice and connection or belonging have kind of driven everything that I do. And it's kind of been the common thread, whether I'm doing like peace building and, and community organizing work or working with artists. It's, it's, you know, that to me is like the core is like, how do I do what I, how can I, in my little way, make the world a better place? Um, and, and it's, it's I know it sounds corny, but like that really is what it is. Um, and this just happens to be how I do it. You know, I went to grad school um, so I can get a piece of paper to fund the community organizing gang intervention work I was doing, got sent to Liberia, met a rapper, started managing a rapper. And like, yeah. next thing I know, it's just like who I couldn't have predicted it. Um, but it's, you know, it's where I am and what works for me. But in a way, it's come full circle. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally full circle. And so some of the artists that you are um, helping or any of the artists that you're helping, um, are, you know, how, how have you been able to connect with them? Do you meet them through, like, through, like, social media or through, like, other, like, artists introducing you to other artists? Or I know somebody and having that grow that way. All of the above, they um, see me speak, 
or, you know, I've spoken at like A3C and South by Southwest. Um, a lot of it comes through social media. Um, I run a festival in Atlanta called Den Music Fest that's really aimed at like uplifting small kind of independent hip hop artists. Um, but also I think I'm really lucky that people trust me in the industry. And so I get a lot of word of mouth and referrals, which I'm always really grateful for. And what has been like your biggest challenge in like helping the artists or communicating with new clients or? Um, there's a degree of having to prove myself as a girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, well, like, how could you know about hip hop or what do you, you know, um, I shared this before, but like times where I'm in a meeting or studio and the guy comes in and shakes hands with everybody and skips right by me. Mm-hmm. And then someone says, actually, like, Nora is the person you need to talk to. Um, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, hi, hey. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so it, it's, it's stuff like that that I think is the most frustrating. But I've, I'm also now at a point where I see people when they show themselves. And so that's not the right person for me to work with anyway. Right. And um, have you been able, to, how have you been able to like overcome some of these challenges? Like you said, you just say, forget it. I'm not working with you. Has there been other ways that you've been able to? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't feel the need to um, like convince anyone. Do you know what I mean? And so because it's also like a political thing, right? I don't want to support artists who are sexist. Mm-hmm. You come and you show me your sexism, then we're not gonna be a good match anyway. Um, and so the more I trust in my skills and my abilities and what I can do, then I, I, I don't know, it sounds hippy dippy, but I, I like trust in the universe. And there's been cases where I've had to say no to artists, like big you know, name artists. Um, and that's initially, especially when I was first starting out, that's scary, right? That's like saying no to a contract that's money on the table. Um, but what I've learned is every time I trust my instinct and like stick to my values, something else comes to replace it. And so I just feel a lot more comfortable in, in setting those boundaries for myself now. I think the most important thing is that you're, like you said, you're true to yourself and you're true to your vision or true to, you know, your vision that you've you've gone about over the years in different roles that you've had and different things you've gotten taken a part of. What do you think is the most important takeaway from your work? Um, That you don't have to compromise your values or who you are, that there is a lane for you, whether it's professionally or creatively, or um, you don't have to, yeah. I mean, like that authenticity really matters and, there's success in who you are, being who you are. And do you have any like upcoming projects this year? Any like what, anything you're like excited about or? Yeah. Um, so actually, so this negotiation webinar, we did our first one in October. We're doing our another one on February 10th, but we've been invited to Hawaii to teach it. One of the women who attended the first one is bringing us out so we can teach it to her staff. Um, so to see that pickup is really exciting. I'm working with um, M.I. Abaga in establishing a creative agency in Lagos. Um, so that's that's really um, that's been a really fun project to um, kind of combine. It's 
me and MI and a couple other people in kind of building out this creative agency. Um, so I'm headed to Lagos in a couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just exciting to like work with artists that I really like and respect and to see the outcome of all that work. So, um, and then we're doing a bunch more with Culture Fix this year um, in terms of doing some more interviews and there's, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. It's exciting, yeah. When you say a cultural agency, do you mean like kind of what you are doing, the consultancy work, or is it like an actual like group like that's managing artists? So it's a it's a creative agency, um, and what the focus is on is really helping brands better tell their stories and better connect with audiences in ways that are culturally relevant to the markets that they're in, but also culturally responsible to the markets that they're in. Um, so. Okay. Yeah, um, so it's it's a little bit different than the culture fix work, but um, more kind of like agency. It's a little more structured. For oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I thank you, Nora, for taking the time to chat with me. I think we got a lot out of it in terms of learning about culture fix and all the cool things you've been working on. And I'm jealous that you're going to be doing all this traveling coming up. <laughs> but for good, but for a good thing, for a good thing, you're. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, this was fun. Thank you, Allison. Thank you.